With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Scott Wilkinson here, the home theater geek and editor of AWSForum.com. I'm filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy who is on his vacation. Now, I understand it's kind of towards the end of his vacation, so I bet you he's feeling about now, oh man, I wish I could stay another week or two. But he'll be back next week, and uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to be back as well uh, in this new studio that we're in. Very cool. And uh, I'm joined today by Jason Snell, who uh, is a longtime podcaster and uh, often a guest at Twit. Jason, welcome. Thank you, Scott. It's good to be here. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what your interests are. Sure. Uh, so I've been writing primarily about Apple for the last 20 years. I was the editor of Macworld for a little more than a decade. Um, I like to say I got into writing about Apple when it looked like they were going to go out of business. <laughs> uh, it was really a bad career move that then suddenly Steve Jobs came back and lots of interesting things happened. And it turned out to be a, not a bad career move at all. Yeah. And then uh, in my uh, other line of work now, in addition to writing, I do some podcasts. I show up on the Twit Network a lot and I've got... A uh, bunch of podcasts at Relay.fm and TheIncomparable.com. So I'm all over the place. All over the place. And not only about Apple, but uh, you you also do at least one show about uh, outer space. Yeah, I've got a, a show on Relay called Liftoff, which is uh, we uh, Stephen Hackett and I get to talk every other week about space stuff. And we get to interview interesting space people, mm -hmm. people or human people on Earth <laughs> about space stuff. Are, are they spaced out? Uh, well, in a certain way, yes, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, but like literally the definition of yeah, uh, yeah, lost exactly. in space. Exactly. Um, well, that's that's super cool. And uh, I had not known of that podcast, but I'll certainly tune in now because I'm a, a big space fanatic as well. I'm pretty spaced out, you know. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, since I was a kid. Since uh -huh. I watched Star Trek when I was five years old, I've been, <laughs> I've been into that stuff. Absolutely. Oh, man. And they just had their 50th anniversary. That's true. Which was wonderful. I had a, I had a great time with that. Uh, I, of course, watched it uh, when it was first out, too. And so that pegs us as a certain age, mm. I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends who who uh, say, "Oh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, that was my thing." And I'm mm. like, "Oh boy, you kids today." <laughs> okay, so I got to ask you. Yeah, Kirk or Picard? I got to go with Captain Kirk because mm -hmm. he was the original, and I love Captain Picard too. I'd much rather work for Captain Picard because <laughs> I think he's a much better manager and runs yeah. a tight ship, and I'd probably die of uh, phaser blast uh, under Kirk. But yeah, uh, yeah, he was exactly. my, he's the one I grew up with. You'd so. be a red shirt probably. I would try very hard to not wear that red shirt <laughs> if I could get away with it. 
Well, what about uh, uh, home theater, audio, that sort of stuff, uh, video, TVs? Do you get into that much? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, not not to your extent. I mean, you you definitely are are, are the master there. I remember spending time on the AVS forum a lot uh, it, when I was uh, getting my first DVR and all of that. I so I I bought the first generation TiVo. That's my claim to fame, and that wow. was that was one of those things that I had a lot of resistance from my wife about. That she thought this was a ridiculous contraption. She, <laughs> and she's usually pretty understanding about the tech t- toys that I bring home. Mm-hmm. But would you the, probably bring a lot of them home? And I do, but that one she she uh, was skeptical of, and that turned out to be a real winner. Um, <laughs> that was uh, very very quickly uh, we we came to really love that. So it was interesting reading that story just a few months ago about how they were officially decommissioning the first generation TiVo mm-hmm. because the, uh, Rovi couldn't update the software to cover their their guide. And I I remember thinking, wow, I, I've gone through like five DVRs since then, but I did <laughs> love that original TiVo when it came. Yeah, out. I've always loved TiVo as well. Great user interface, great program guide. Um, and there's, you know, they, they looked like they might be down and out at one point, uh, like Apple, I guess, but, uh, they came back too and they're doing pretty good. I think yeah. Rovi bought them, right? Recently? Yeah. Rovi, Rovi bought them yeah. and it remains to be seen what will happen with them. But I, I, I think the software is, is good. And there, there's a question of whether they'll build the hardware themselves going forward or mm. whether they'll, they'll use third parties to build the hardware. But it sounds like, you know, they're no longer in, in, uh, in, Danger of going out of business, which mm-hmm. is good. Uh, where Rovi takes that business, I don't know. But as somebody who used third-party DVRs for a few years in between TiVos, and mm-hmm. I just uh, a couple years ago came back with the Romeo, mm-hmm. I can I can say that uh, there's no better DVR than the TiVo. And now I use it as a streamer too because it has Netflix, it has, and, yeah. and uh, Amazon Video, and and it's all integrated into their program mm-hmm. guide. So mm-hmm. I love it, and uh, I'm glad that it, it may survive after mm-hmm. all. Yes, indeed. So what what do you have as your primary um home theater display sound system what do you watch movies on well i've got a uh, my house is not particularly large uh, and we have sort of one main room that's our living room and our dining room and our kitchen is kind of all run <laughs> run together and the home theater uh, and the home theater is at one end of it uh, but i do have a 5.1 system good. so i've got i've got we, when we uh when we updated our house a little bit i put uh rear surrounds in the ceilings which i think my wife was very happy about because i had little speakers sitting on top of the piano and mm-hmm. on a, a side table and mm-hmm. they were not no, it, it was not good for anyone so i do have uh, a 5.1 system and uh it, it's a, a relatively small uh vizio 4k tv mm. but it you know it looks good it sounds great i, I really do love uh, the the 5.1 audio and i've got a subwoofer and mm-hmm. turn good. that up for watching movies and it yeah, rumbles, yeah. rumbles the house and it's all it's all good so how, how what's the size of the tv you know, I can't even tell you. It's probably like fifty-seven inches or something well, like that. Well, it'd be fifty-five. Fifty-five. Probably. Okay, I I bow to the master. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> I, I I think we got up to towards sixty, but I think we didn't go over in the end because mm-hmm. the ha- the house. I would have to start taking apart furniture. It's actually <laughs> fitting in a in an old console yeah, space, yeah, yeah. and so although it sticks out the edges any larger, and I would have to take down the furniture and hang mm-hmm. it on the wall, and I'm not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. Well, a lot of people face that same dilemma. They've got a piece of furniture. The TV's got to go in that piece of furniture yeah. and so that limits the size but i also have to say that most people choose a, a tv size that's too small for what for the distance that they're sitting especially in 4k yeah right. i'm sure I, i'm not appreciating the 4k resolution mm-hmm. at all one of these days also it's the this transition with plasmas going away yeah. and the new new tvs coming up i really felt like going to costco and buying a reasonably priced vizio to get me through the next few years mm-hmm. and then i can i can dream of having a much higher quality tv which i think will be here in the next few years well that, it, at 4k with hdr right. and and 
that's the one that I'll hang on the wall and get rid of the furniture for. <laughs> that's my dream. Yeah. Well, it is already here. We have OLED or OLED TVs. I just calibrated Leo's new OLED oh. uh, last week. And uh, it's, it's so beautiful, but it's also so expensive. Yeah. Well, that's the other part of it, right, is that I wasn't yeah. r- willing to kind of be uh, uh, on the cutting edge of, right. of the OLED TV revolution. And I know we're going to get there. Yeah. And they'll be affordable and look amazing in just three or four years because mm-hmm. that seems to be what happens with television technology. So yeah, exactly. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that moment. And in the meantime, my old TV died, so it was very much a I need to get a TV to, to get me through this right. kind, of, kind of purchase right. rather than, you know, I didn't want to go on the cutting edge, on the on the bleeding edge right I, away. I understand. I do understand that. And uh, Vizio, I've always recommended Vizio for value. For, yeah. You know, it's great great performance for the money, um, especially the 2016 models. That yours is maybe a, a year or two older. Yeah, it's probably a 15. Okay. So it's still, you know, 4K, it's going to be good. Um, and uh, speaking of Rovi buying TiVo, uh, a Chinese company is in the process of buying Vizio now. Uh, they're called Le Echo, and uh, we're all kind of waiting a little bit to see what that means to Vizio products. We hope it doesn't mean anything bad and that they will continue. But the 2016 models that they introduced of their TVs are, are phenomenal for the money. I mean, full array local dimming, which gives you better screen uniformity, deeper blacks, uh, HDR, high dynamic range with 4K. And uh, I don't have you ever seen high dynamic range imagery yet? I have seen it at a at a trade show where mm. you know it's not the best uh, scenario for that. No, that that's true. That's true. And unfortunately, it's so odd because Dolby is here in the Bay Area, and they don't have a Dolby Cinema here in the Bay Area. They have one down in near San Jose, but not up here. So that's uh, a little disconcerting to me. But uh, we have so much to talk about today. And uh, I look forward to hearing from all of you out there. All you have to do is give us a call at 8888-ASK-LEO, which translates to 888-827-5536. And uh, I do hope you'll give us a call. And you can not only call about home theater stuff, audio video stuff, but also Mac stuff and space stuff. We're going to have a wonderful time today. I'm Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back after this. Hey, everybody, Scott Wilkinson here, the home theater geek. I'm with Jason Snell, who is uh, a an Apple expert, and we're going to be talking some about Apple products too. But I think it's time to go to the phones now. Those of you who are calling in to eighty eight eighty eight ask Leo, uh, that's eight 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 two seven five five three six. We'll be fir- talking first to our call screener, Kim Schaefer. And uh, as long as I hit the right button, Kim, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Good. Thanks. Thanks so much for being there. You're prepping everybody for their debut on national radio. Yes, and I do think we have some that are in your wheelhouse. Excellent. Who should I call, talk to first? Roger and Lomita with oh. the uh, LG OLED. Oh, LG OLED, one of my favorite subjects. Let me call him right up here. Uh, there he is. Roger, welcome to the show. Good to hear from you again. Quick question, because your phone is starting to cut in and out on your. You may want to have the engineers check it out. But anyway, Uh-oh. I'm um, thinking about buying the um, 
TV that Leo has, and Magnolia has them on sale. I went and looked at them yesterday. But the, quote, guru there told me that the B and the C have a slightly less bright picture than the two higher-end models. I just wondered if that's true. I, I don't think so. I mean, I think there will be some brightness variability from, from sample to sample uh, slightly. But as far as I know, all... All of the LG TVs, OLED TVs, use the same panel. Now, in the case of the higher-end models, the G6 and the E6, they probably take a little more care in picking which panels go into those and maybe a little less care in what goes into the B6. Okay. Uh, and, and the C6. The C6 is the only one that's curved. Right. Now, do you want a curved set or not? No. Okay. No, I want the B, and it's it's thirty four ninety nine for the 65-inch, which is a pretty... Wow. Wow. 3500 bucks for a 65-inch OLED. That is pretty great. Yep. Um, and, you know, if there is any difference in brightness, it might be because, you know, they didn't take quite as much care in picking which actual panel went into the B6. Uh, but it would be minuscule. It would be a minor, minor difference, not worth worrying about. And the other good news that she told me is you don't have to buy an LG, because um, I'm going to wall mount this. You can use a standard. Uh, when, in 2016, they went to the standard mounting. The, so it, the Visa mount. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And one last question for you, because your phone is starting to cut out. Do you have to have that LG hooked up to um, online, or can it just be hooked up to a cable box? Oh, no, you don't have to have it hooked up online. Now, it does have internal apps for things like Netflix and Amazon and uh, YouTube, probably. I don't know exactly what the list is, but but it's long. All these TVs have long lists of apps, and LG is no exception. They have a their operating system or their, their web interface is called WebOS 3.0. And so, you know, if you want to use that, then, yes, you need to hook it up to the to the Internet. Um, but if you don't, then no problem. I mean, you can get those apps on Blu-ray players, right, on right. gaming console, you know, all kinds of different devices can bring you those apps. But the, you don't have to have it hooked. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Up for like software updates and that type of thing or well there you go now if you want to firmware updates yeah that that you'd want it hooked up to you may you made the good case for that okay but you don't have to no no oh, okay great absolutely it's not required great thank you so much scott my pleasure thanks so much all right um he said my phone's cutting out i'm not quite sure i know what that means i don't know but uh he sounded great and he we did. sounded great, I thought. Yeah, I, think, so. I mean, here we are listening to this. It's totally fine. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, let's uh, take another call. We actually have a uh, an Apple call here. I'm going to uh, 
call up Gary in Laguna Niguel. Gary, yeah. welcome. Yeah, Scott, believe me, if I ever had a question on TV, I, I know who to call. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the question I have here, I don't know if maybe you guys can just kind of think about this. I do a lot of um, outdoor work. I'm, I'm a bird photographer. Nice. nice. I go to a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. I mean, one week I could be up in the San Francisco Bay Area okay. and then going out to Sonoma. Okay. And next day I could be out in Anza Borrego Desert State Park. Ooh, beautiful place there. A lot of different places. Yeah. And I've asked this to Leo before, and he was kind of stumped. I figured I'd, I'd ask you guys. What phone can I get that would switch between Verizon and AT&T? Because so many locations I go to, I'll have a good Verizon signal, and then I have a dead zone, and I go to find out a friend of mine that's with me, he has an AT&T phone, and it works. And so I can't always have a Verizon and an AT&T phone with me at all times. Wow. Well, that's a pretty good question. Um you know, is I have never heard of a phone that can actually switch providers. Well, it, it, you actually can do that in uh, other parts of the world fairly easily. In oh. the United States, they make it they make it really hard for you. Oh, I can tell man. you that the iPhone uh, for a while now, I think since the 4S, uh, you uh, you've been able to do this with an unlocked phone. The problem was that in the United States, unlocked phones were. Uh, incredibly rare, mm-hmm. but now um, because of the way that the carriers have sort of changed how they do do things, you can uh, you if, if you get your phone financed by your carrier, they're going to want to lock your phone to their network. So that's the that's the problem is you don't want to do that. But Apple offers uh, an upgrade plan directly for the iPhone, and there are also. Um, so you've got you've got a way you can also just buy it free and clear, which costs more up front. But over the course of a couple of years of using it, you get you know you, it's the equivalent of what you would have paid into a carrier for that plan. So if you can get an unlocked phone, either through an Apple financing plan or just by buying an unlocked phone, I believe if you get an unlocked phone uh, from Apple and you ask for the Verizon model, you, okay. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, the unlocked phones that you're referring to. Most of those are a GSM-based phone. And see, here's the thing. Verizon and Sprint are CDMA. Are CDMA, yeah. yeah. Of but- course, T-Mobile, MetroPCS, AT&T, those are GSM. And this is the thing. I don't know if Apple makes a phone that can pick up both CDMA and yes. See, that's what I'm looking for. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Actually, the iPhone, since since the iPhone, I want to say 4S, if not that, it's the 5, The uh, every iPhone is more or less the same. So if you got a Verizon iPhone unlocked, which means from Apple by buying an unlocked phone, okay. it's, got a, it's got a SIM card slot in it. And the CDMA carriers don't actually even need a SIM card. The SIM card is there for international roaming. But with an unlocked phone, you can put... Uh, uh, an AT&T SIM card in there. The, the, the question, and this is not something that I've, I've tried before, is the question is, if it continues to see a valid Verizon, will it always try to use Verizon? But there is a carrier submenu. You can only see it if you're in a place like uh, International Roaming where you'd see multiple carriers. In the, in the settings app of the iPhone, there's actually a carrier menu that appears, and you can pick, auto-pick which carrier to use, or you can force it onto a carrier. I can't say 100% that there wouldn't be some strange side effect of it being a Verizon phone, but if it's unlocked, it should be able to do CDMA and GSM. They do that because if you're a Verizon customer or Sprint customer and you travel overseas, you can't use those networks. So they have to roam to a GSM network. So I would say it, it, it is, uh, that, that would be my best bet is get an unlocked iPhone, uh, say it's for Verizon, 
and then yeah, get an AT&T SIM and put it in there. CDMA phone then. Yeah, well, the, the problem is if you get an AT&T phone, the CDMA stuff is in there, but I believe... I'm not 100% on this. I think it's it's hard to go the other direction and go to Verizon. Hey, thanks so much for the call. We're, we're out of time right now, and uh, this is Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, <laughs> filling in for Leo Laporte. We'll be back after this. Hey, it's Scott Wilkinson here, the home theater geek, reminding you that with photographs, with digital photos, you want to preserve what's priceless with the Epson Fast Photo, the world's fastest photo scanner. Fast and easy. Scan thousands of photos as fast as one per second at 300 dpi. Restore, save, organize, and share your collection. That's Epson Fast Photo. As I said, we're, we're having a dance party here, man. We're just grooving and having a great old time. I'm Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek and editor of AVSforum.com. I'm here with Jason Snell, podcaster extraordinaire <laughs> and um, Apple expert. And uh, we, we're going to go right back to the phones here. Let's see. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> who should I talk to? Oh, someone wants to pick my brain. That is Kevin in Wichita, Kansas. Kevin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for taking my call. It's fun to speak with you. Sure, thanks. What can I do for you? Well, uh, I've bit the bullet on a 4K HDR TV. Congratulations. A question on the purchase and also HDR 10 versus Dolby Vision. Oh, one of my favorite subjects. And maybe your crystal ball into the future. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went, um, after reading a lot of reviews and ratings, I went with a uh, Samsung 8000. Mm hmm. 2016 model. Okay, that would be the KS8000? Well, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And that's the uh, inch is what I did. And um, my, my biggest concern is you know, all the HDR can compatible. Uh, do you believe that in the future that standard will live on even if both standards, uh, well, <laughs> both standards, even if both um, an HDR can are in the future? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, going to have a television that's going to be obsolete? I don't think so. I don't think so. Samsung does only support HDR10. And as you say, there are two HDR formats that are common today. There are more than that, actually. Quite a few more, but the, the big ones are HDR10 and Dolby Vision. And uh, Samsung only supports HDR10. And the reason for that, and the reason why most companies only support HDR10, is that it's an open standard. It's free to implement. Dolby Vision, you have to pay Dolby some license fee, and you, ha and you have to have kind of some special hardware chip or something in the, in the TV in order to decode it. And at the moment, there is only one source, really, for Dolby Vision content in the home, and that is Vudu streaming. And Vudu actually just recently announced that they're going to also offer HDR10. They were For a while, they were Dolby Vision exclusively, but now they're, they're doing HDR10 as well. And all the other places online that you can stream HDR, high dynamic range material, uh, are all HDR10. Similarly, uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray, which is the physical disc format now, uh, supports HDR10. In fact, it's required. It's mandatory. If you're going to have HDR content on a disc, it has to be in HDR10. It can also be in Dolby Vision. And in fact, Dolby Vision can incorporate HDR10 within its uh, architecture. And so if some studio at some point wants to release a disc in Dolby Vision, uh, it will have HDR10 kind of embedded in it. And a TV that doesn't 
recognize Dolby Vision will still recognize the HDR10 and play it like that. So I'm of the opinion that HDR10 is the one that is most likely to survive long into the future. Dolby Vision probably will too. Uh, Dolby Vision is the way you get HDR10 in the commercial cinema. It's the only way to do it, and it looks fabulous. If you get a chance to see that, you really should go out to the movies and see that. Uh, but at home, uh, I think HDR10 is not going to go away or become obsolete anytime soon. So did that answer your question? I think we lost him. Too bad. I hope you heard that because um, I got to tell you, man, HDR10 or HDR rather uh, just just looks so great. Whereas with with um, with uh, pixel increase in pixel resolution, right from HD to 4K, you can't really see that unless you're close enough to the screen, depending on the size of the screen. But with HDR, you can easily see the improvement across the room. So uh, that's a big deal in my in my opinion. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know, we got another one for you. I'm going to go to, uh, Kathy in New York who has an iPhone question. Hey, Kathy, welcome to the show. Did I get, did I get him? Did I get her? Have I got you there, Kathy? I guess I don't. Hmm. I'm not quite sure what's happening there. So I'm going to uh, move on. Hopefully we can find Kathy a little bit later. Uh, meanwhile, I'm going to try, uh, Warren in Torrance. Warren, welcome to the show. All our callers are silent. Oh, man. Okay. Well, we're obviously having a little technical problem here. I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, I believe I'm pushing the right buttons, uh, just like I did yesterday. So, uh, okay. Well, I'm going to wait and see what happens here. Uh, Maybe I'll try one more. Let's see if I can get... Oh, oh, we're right. going to talk amongst ourselves. Oh, yeah. Got to reboot the phone system. That's awesome. You know, <laughs> being a tech guy, as Leo is, you know, he's always on the bleeding edge. I, I love the fact that the solution to our phone system is the solution to most technical problems out there that people might have, which is you got to turn it off and turn it back reboot. on. Reboot. I have had this. I mean, that is my first piece of advice. Exactly. And I, how many times has it worked? For me, it's worked more than 50% of the time. I, I, think it's, I think it's even more like 90% of the time. I had this problem on my Mac the other day where I had a, a file that refused to export and I couldn't do anything to figure it out. I filed a bug with Apple and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to reboot. Hmm. totally that was it that was it that was it. something was wrong somewhere these systems that we use are so complicated yes and if and it's a miracle they work as well as they do but every now and then something gets out of sync something it thinks is one way the main mm-hmm. system is mm-hmm. actually the other way yep and the only solution is to go back to nothing my, my mom calls me all the time asking for solutions to tech problems and that's the answer that i, I almost always works which is turn it off turn it back on and that's it yeah exactly um and that that is the uh that's the solution you i gotta start there well. yeah you gotta start there yep. and then if that doesn't work well, <laughs> then you have to get out your uh, your your uh, notepad and begin the diagnosis. I yes, think, of exactly. What else it might be. Exactly. I have to tell you, I worked for a while uh, for the, for a company called Roland. They make synthesizers oh, yeah. and audio equipment and so on. And I was uh, in the customer support department, and I would take questions from people. And uh, you know, very often it was just you know power it off and power it back on. Uh, but sometimes that didn't work, so uh, we had to go through the diagnostic procedure. And uh, that was in the days when you could actually call somebody, and I was at the other end of the line in that case. I guess you still can in certain – I've had a number of calls with Apple recently, and I have to commend them for their customer service. I mean I was able to get a hold of somebody who knew what they were talking about and was able to solve the problem that I had uh, relatively efficiently. You know, It wasn't like I was on hold for an hour and, and then got somebody who didn't know what they were talking about and then you know move up the chain. It was really pretty good. Yeah, one of the problems with a lot of the stuff we've got now is it's so simple to use it's interfaceless and the problem with mm. being interfaceless is then you can't see what's going wrong in order to fix it and that, and and if you're anybody who's uh, helped people with technology like what leo does and what we're doing today one of the challenges of that is you don't have any information it's like a doctor trying to guess what's wrong with a patient without symptoms mm. and 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 that happens so often now where there's something so simple to use that 
you have no idea when it goes wrong what went wrong. And, yeah. and it's, it's great for users that it's simple to use, yes. but it's bad when something goes wrong because you have no clue a lot of times about what happened just then. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Well, you know, I, I did want to mention on another subject, uh, next hour we have a guest coming on at uh, just after the bottom of the hour, Chris Marquardt, who is Leo's regular photo guy. And I've been in touch with him. He, he wanted to come on even though Leo wasn't here, and I'm happy to have him come on the show all the way from Germany. Uh, he's staying up pretty pretty late for yeah. this, and uh, we're going to be talking about monitors and how to view your photos. What, what do you what do you need in a monitor that's going to accurately show your photos? That's going to be really cool. So uh, stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, this is Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back after this. <laughs> Hey, it's Scott Wilkinson here, the home theater geek and editor of absforum.com. I'm here with Jason Snell, podcaster extraordinaire and Apple expert. So uh, we we did have an Apple call, uh, but then the phones kind of went a bit wonky and we lost that call. So I hope that person calls back. Meanwhile, I am going to hope that the calling system works and talk with Warren in Torrance, California. Hey, Warren, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing great, thanks. How about yourself? Good. Thanks for you and Jason pinch hitting while Leo's having a well-deserved vacation. Well-deserved vacation. And believe mm -hmm. me, I'm real happy to be here. A couple questions for you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For your first sure. one, most important question, looking for in a small bedroom a, a sound bar or a plate you might suggest to recommend to kind of boost the sound quality off the TV in there? <laughs> sure. You know, almost anything will improve the sound quality of a TV's internal speakers. I will tell you that right now. I'm not quite sure I know what you mean by by the word plate. Well, I've seen the little square pieces that you can put underneath the TV. That's what I call a plate. Ah, you can put it underneath ah. it as opposed to okay. either in front of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's called a sound base, typically. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. So either way, uh, you'll, you'll certainly get better sound almost without doubt, no matter what you get. Um, it also depends on the kind of money you want to spend. What kind of budget do you have? Well, for right now, it's uh, wide open. So mm. tell me what, why don't you tell me what the best of the best is and then give me the mid range. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'm really digging the Samsung, uh, soundbar system, which is basically a soundbar in the front, two wireless surround speakers for the surround sound, a bay, uh, a subwoofer. And the soundbar itself and the surround speakers have uh, what are called Dolby Atmos-enabled speakers in them, which fire sound from a Dolby Atmos soundtrack up to the ceiling and reflect it back down to you, giving you the impression that you have a sounds coming from above. This is far more immersive and engaging than your typical 5.1 surround or 7.1 surround. And um, I believe the list price on that, it's the uh, H... HW-K950, I believe. Uh, list price on it is 1500 bucks. Okay. So that's, you know, not cheap. Uh, but 
And for a bedroom, well, sure, for a bedroom, if you've got if you've got a fairly reflective flat ceiling, it doesn't work too well with a you know pitched or cathedral ceiling. But if you have a kind of a flat, normal drywall ceiling in the in there, it would work really great. And man, oh man, with with Atmos content, mostly from uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray, uh, there is some streaming Atmos content. Uh, it's really beautiful. Now. If you can spend 1500 bucks, that's great. Uh, Samsung just opened, or three years ago, they opened an audio laboratory that um, they do a lot of research on making better-sounding audio equipment. And this is one of the products out of that effort, and I think it's really great. Um, sound bases I'm less familiar with. Um, I know Zvox. I've, I've been very impressed with the Zvox sound bases. Um, Vizio sound bars. I think Vizio also makes a sound base. And most of them come with a subwoofer, which is what you want, because any sound bar is going to have little tiny speakers in it. And those are not going to you know, get you down into the bass. So uh, I would say if you don't want to spend that kind of money on the Samsung, uh, you know, Vizio, Zvox um, would be my next kind of mid-range products to look at. Okay. Uh, a second question as I was waiting on hold, and, and it's all related to what you've been talking about with this OLED TV. Mm-hmm. What's your take or... Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's my take on... Oh, man! Um, well... Technologically, how does that compare with the OLED? Wow, you're back. Unfortunately, <laughs> you cut out there just as you were about to ask your question. Could you repeat that, please? Oh, man! Okay, I'm going to guess what he had in mind. And, and he was asking about OLED TV and how does that compare technologically, uh, I guess, with LCD TV, okay? And there are a number of differences that you have to be aware of. One of them is that LCD TVs, by their nature, when you are watching them on axis, right, straight down the middle, they look great. But when you go off axis to the sides, the black level rises, the colors desaturate, it starts looking pretty bad. And in some cases, you don't even have to get that far off axis for it to start looking pretty bad. So if you're if you're often hosting uh, big parties, of uh, sporting parties or whatever, and you're off to the side, then uh, it's going to be – it looks pretty bad for those people. OLED doesn't have that problem. It has a few m- more minor problems when looked at off axis, uh, particularly color shifts into the blue cyan region. But uh, there's no increase in black level, and it looks much better, I should say, off-axis. The other thing, uh, main difference between them is brightness. LCD TVs can get very bright, much brighter than OLED or OLED TVs can get. So if you need a lot of brightness, if you're watching in a bright room with lots of ambient light, uh, then uh, TV, the LCD TV is going to typically do better in that environment. But if you're watching in a darkened room, fairly darkened room, it doesn't have to be perfectly black, but it needs to have less ambient light, then OLED's going to be fine. Of course, LCD TVs are generally less expensive than OLEDs is another big difference. So, uh, Warren, have I got you back? Yeah, I'm back now, Scott. Okay. Did I did I answer your question? You cut out there, and I kind of had to guess a little bit. Well, you, you were guessing almost on track. Sony just, I, I read, and it's in the paper today, they released a new Sony HDR TV. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not on the low end. It's not on the low end, no. <laughs> it's called the Z9. What? It's called the Z9 TV. Uh, it's their new flagship model. It's really wonderful. I think it's the best LCD TV, LCD TV that's ever been made. Uh, it's it's really beautiful. I have seen it work. It's got a number of really really nice features that uh, make it 
the best LCD TV ever made, but it's also pretty expensive. Uh, they just announced they have a 100-inch version uh, that's going to cost $60,000. <laughs> now, they also have, a, I think, a 65 and a 75, and those are a little more reasonable. <laughs> the 75, I think, is 10 grand. The 65 might be on the order of six grand. I'll have to look that up to be sure, but I think it's something on the on that order. Um, but at 100 inches, I'd start thinking about a projector. You know, you could get a, a projector to do a hundred inch image or much bigger even for a lot less than 60 grand. So anyway, that's the, the Sony Z, Z9 is a wonderful, wonderful TV and I'm, I'm really happy with it. And that's the answer to that question. Hey, I appreciate your time. Hey, have a good day. Thanks. You too. All right. Let's see here. Uh, I've got a little bit of time left. Let's get a, let's get another caller in. Um, who have, uh, who's been waiting the longest? Oh, good. I'm going to talk to Alan in Laguna Niguel. Alan, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And by the way, I have that Vizio uh, soundbar system with the subwoofer you just referenced, and it's pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Certainly better than the TV's internal sound. <laughs> um. Oh man, have I lost you too? I'm afraid we're, our phone system is a little. Sounds like it's cutting in it and out. Being broadcast that you're really taking advantage of the technology. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out on me a little bit. Uh, repeat the question, please. Yeah, my understanding is uh, with 4K, unless the content is being delivered in a 4K format, it's being transmissioned, it's being broadcast in 4K. You're not really taking advantage of the technology, so I'm not sure why people are buying the 4K. TVs today. Well, there's a couple of answers to that question for sure. One is the manufacturers are all making 4K TVs. They're almost not making 1080p TVs anymore. So that's all you can buy. Now you're right. There isn't a lot of native 4K content available, although that is growing and there certainly is some. But when you don't have native 4K content, you have 1080p content, HD, high definition, uh, the TV will upscale it. And so then the question becomes, which TVs have the best upscalers? Because some, some work better than others. And if they work really well, then you actually, you know, you, you see a good picture. Um, and that's, that's the thing to do in, when you're reading reviews is to look at uh, whether they evaluate the upscaler in a TV, because that will tell you how good it will look on a on uh, on content that's HD or 1080p. Um, but, of course, I all, I do want to emphasize that we have Ultra HD Blu-ray, and we have something like uh, 40 or 50 titles now, and that's not very much, but th there weren't very much when HD came out either. You know what? We're going to uh, switch phone systems here, and I'm going to tell you about that right after the break. This is Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back after this. Hey everybody, Scott Wilkinson here, the home theater geek and editor of avsforum.com. Welcome to the Tech Guy Show. I'm filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy who's on a well-deserved vacation. And uh, I'm joined in studio today by, uh, Ryan, uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm looking at my phone here, uh, Jason Snell, uh, who is a podcaster extraordinaire, uh, Apple expert, and uh, otherwise really nice fellow. Welcome. I'm happy to be here with you as we struggle with a, uh, our, our old phone system went away, but our new phone system is, I believe, up and running now. I believe it is, yes, indeed. We got a different number for you to call. It, it uh, you know, the normal number that you would uh, call for this show uh, has uh, been running into some problems. 
Uh, as you said earlier, off uh, off the air, we are uh, dealing with our own Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, that's right. It's a test for it's us. Uh, Fill ins for Leo. Yep. He's laughing somewhere. He's laughing somewhere. Now they'll yet. see how hard it is. <laughs> anyway, I want to make sure everybody knows this number. It's really important. There are two of them. Uh, one is eight, and they're both with area code eight four four, which I guess is a toll free. I hadn't heard that one before, but it's eight four four, and uh, the two numbers are five six two two six. Three nine and six six two two six three nine. So the two numbers are the same except they start with a five or a six, and they both have area code eight four four. So for the rest of the show, that is the uh, phone number that we are going to be using for that. And unfortunately, I then need to get on to Google Hangouts and. Uh, so let's see. Oh, we got an Apple call for you. Oh, hooray. I'm going to go with uh, Brian from Anchorage talking about iTunes and Apple Music. Uh, Brian, have I got you on? Yes, Scott and Jason. Thank you so very much. I actually have two questions if there's time. The first one is my family. We share one iTunes account. I've done that for years. Works great. I'm wondering and I'm puzzled. Uh, what's the advantage of switching to the um, Apple Music Family Sharing? What do we gain? What do we give up if we do that? Yeah, so family sharing, um, you gain a few things. You gain the ability to have your different family members all using their own Apple IDs, which means you can set some different rules based on them. Uh, you can set an allowance. There are some features like that that you can that you can you can get out of it. You can use the Apple Music family account instead of uh, sharing one Apple ID. Uh, there are also some disadvantages. It doesn't uh, let you share your iCloud storage space. So one of the downsides is suddenly everybody, if, you, if you're if you paying for extra iCloud storage, that's only on the account you're paying for and not for the new Apple IDs that your family is using, which has, I've run into problems with my daughter's iPhone uh, backing up and running out of room on that. Uh, so that that can be an issue. And another issue to think about is in-app purchases. A lot of apps that have in-app purchases, your app, you can load the, uh, generally you can load apps on uh, any Apple ID that's associated with your family. So if you bought a bunch of apps under the single ID, your family members would be able to get those. But I believe in-app purchases don't come through, which means if you're somebody who's got a lot of games or things like that, that are based on in-app purchase stuff that you've, uh, you've done, you may lose that. So, you know, I think it's a good direction Apple's going in with the family plan stuff, but um, unless I mention something that makes you perk up and say, "Oh wow, that's exactly what I want," is the you know allowances or things like that. I would say if what you've got now is working for you, you might be better off with that because you you do um, risk giving up some things by going to the family plan. Yeah, that's what I feared. Yeah, yeah, and I wish it was. And and things like your photo library, for example, don't get shared across to the members of the family, uh, which is also too bad. That so is too bad. I think it's a work in progress. I'm disappointed they didn't make more progress on the family side uh, in the this most recent round of OS updates, but they didn't. Well, that's really helpful, Jason. Thanks. And if there's time, the other question I have along the same lines is: I'm a avid classical music enthusiast. And iTunes has just about ruined my collection. I'm about ready to re-rip all of my CDs again. Mm. Is, what is a good alternative for somebody like me, uh, do you think? Well, in terms of classical music, um, are, you, are you talking about uh, streaming or downloading? Or just cataloging? Just Well, first of all, cataloging, but also I'm streaming uh, as well. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Tidal, uh, T-I-D-A-L, is an excellent streaming service. I actually don't know how much um, uh, classical music they have on there, but uh, I'm sure they have some. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, uh, but it's uh, it's done in lossless, uncompressed CD quality. Uh, so that's going to get you a lot better quality than a highly compressed MP3 uh, or something like that. So... Yeah, uh, that's that's a great one. Tidal dot com. And I will also say uh, there's a guy named Kirk McElhern. That's M C E L H E A R N. He uh, he is the iTunes guy for MacWorld and a huge classical music fan. And he's written a bunch of articles about ways of getting your classical music library to work well within iTunes, which sounds like it's right up your alley. Ooh, so you sure should does. search for uh, iTunes classical music. Kirk McElhern on Google, and you'll probably find it, or you can go to McElhern.com, his website, and probably find links from there. But Kirk knows his stuff, and he loves classical music, and he uses iTunes, so there's got to be a way, and Kirk has written about it. Oh, perfect. Thank you both. Great recommendations. Thank you so very much. I'm thrilled that you all are on today. Sure. Thanks, Thanks so much for calling. Take all right. we got uh, got a couple of Vizio TV questions, Ooh. so uh, I'm going to go to line two, uh, Michael from Encinitas. Hey, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hello. Yeah, um, I, I'm looking at a Vizio uh, M60 D1 TV. Mm -hmm. Is that is that a 2016? Yes, the D1 uh, um, is tw is 2016. Correct, and that's the I one you, you want. Okay, good. I know you. I've been listening for the last couple of hours. I know you mentioned that one. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the Vizios. So good. And then, um, are they easy to set up in terms of? I, I know you always talk about calibration. I mean, I'm just a guy watching it in my, you know, in a room. So I sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, I talk about calibration because I'm a geek, you know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it's important. It, it can be important. And the more you spend on a TV, the more important it is. And and the sort of less financial hit it is. But a Vizio M series, 60-inch, uh, uh, you're certainly talking under $2,000. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know what you saw it, but it may, might be twelve or 1500 bucks, something like that. Uh, -huh. uh, might not, it's probably not worth spending another three to 500 bucks to have a professional come out and do a full calibration. You can get 80% of the way there yourself by buying yeah. a, a $30 disc, uh, from, uh, Amazon or whatever. The one that I recommend for people who aren't, you know, such TV geeks as I am, uh, is from Disney. It's called Disney world of wonder or wow. Okay. And it takes you through the steps to set the basic picture controls that anybody can set. And those there are five of them. They're called contrast, brightness, color, tint, and sharpness. And okay. the most important ones to set are contrast and brightness and sharpness. Uh, color usually is not really needed to be changed, color and tint. Um, but uh, if you get that disc, uh, you can set those up yourself, and you're 70%, 80% of the way towards a, a professional calibration. That's good enough for me. And then what the, I heard you mention some speakers, you know, uh, like just a sound bar. You know, yeah. I'm not looking, you know, I'm looking maybe at the most two or three hundred, and I'm looking, at, you know, I don't know, 
for like, the Vizio for that TV. So sure, what, sure. What I think yeah. I think the Vizio sound bars are perfectly adequate. Uh, they'll certainly give you a lot better quality than the coming out of the TV itself. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't see any problem with that at all. Uh, you know, Vizio soundbar would would probably be in that price range, and okay. uh, I think you'd be happy with it. Okay, then one last question. It's not exactly related, but um, I was looking at an iPad. Is that not a good question right now? Or well, we're we're coming up to a, a break here. If you can hang on, we'll uh, I'll let Jason answer a question about iPad. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, so you, you gotta be ready for a question about iPad? I'm prepared. <laughs> He's okay. sitting here, fingers poised, ready to, ready to handle it. Um, but we're just coming up just a few seconds to the uh, music and there it is. So hang on. We'll be right back. It's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. new <laughs> i'm digging the music today man i gotta tell you it's great this is scott wilkinson the home theater geek and editor of avsforum.com i'm here with jason snell apple expert and podcaster extraordinaire and we were talking uh, with uh, michael i believe are you still on there michael i am great I am. and you had another question about uh, ipads i think Yes, what I'm trying to do, just I have an iPhone 6, and I used to have all Apple products, and I want to get back to that and have a seamless interface. And I'm looking, I have an iPad 2 now, which is obviously old, and I'm looking to upgrade to that. And then also I want to eventually get like a MacBook or something like that, so I just wanted a little bit of um, advice on that. Because I looked at the, I, the iPad 4, and there's like a professional series and a regular series, and then different memories. So I'm trying to get an idea what's best for me. Uh, all right. So the so the iPad uh, Pro is out there now, and that's a little more expensive, and that supports things like that Apple Pencil, and it's got the little uh, accessory thing on the side so you can get an external keyboard that's sort of connected to it and uses the battery of it. But they're still selling the iPad Air 2, and they cut that by $100, and that's a pretty darn good iPad. So I would say... If you're um, turned off a little bit by the price of the iPad Pro, the the the, the two models, there's the 9.7 and the and and then the huge one that I've got uh, right in front of me here. Uh, the iPad Air 2 is a really good iPad. That's the one that my wife uses, and uh, with it a hundred dollars cheaper, I, I think there's a lot to be said for it. And and no, it's it 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 is essentially last year's model, but uh, it was a huge step forward in terms of speed. Um, and I think it's going to be good for, for a lot of years. So you might want to look at that one. Does that have an external keyboard too? Well, so you can use an external keyboard with any of them via Bluetooth, uh, and there are okay. lots of external keyboards. The okay. The difference is that the iPad Pro has what's called the smart connector, and that lets – there are a few, or there are not that many, that it will uh, be able to use where it actually sort of magnet, magnetically attaches and uh, and takes its power right from there. So you don't have to recharge it. You don't have to connect via Bluetooth. But there are only a handful. I mean, like literally I think there are five smart connector keyboards out there. Um, the iPad Pro can also use Bluetooth keyboards, so there, it's not limited in that way. But uh, So it's, it's a slight difference, but – but, you know, there are plenty of uh, good Bluetooth keyboards that work with the iPad Air 2 as well. Okay. 
and that comes in different memories and stuff like that. Same thing, like the. Yeah. yeah, there are a few different storage options. Not as many as on the iPad Pro, but you've got, I, I think, a, a good set of uh, storage options on the on the Air too. Is that a nine inch screen? Or? Yeah, those are those, that's the nine point seven. The iPad Air two and the uh, and the nine point seven inch iPad Pro look almost exactly the same because that that's the it's the your iPad two. It's the same size as that, except with a higher resolution uh, screen. It's got the Retina display, but it's the it's the same screen size as your iPad two. Okay, now, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting one of those. But now, what I'm looking to do, I'm a retired engineer, so I like to hack. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so you think I need to upgrade to like a, get, have that? But also, because I like to travel a lot, so I would use the iPad here too. But in terms of like a, I'm not familiar with what's out there, like the MacBook Pro, or I don't know what's out there. Like more of a, like a, almost like a mini workstation at home. Right. With, right. With so we're in a weird place with the Mac right now. Uh, Apple hasn't updated most of the Macs in a long time. And I think uh, if you if you look at the rumors, I think there's a pretty good chance that a lot of Apple stuff is going to get updated this month, later this month. That's what everybody is hoping. Everybody's hoping Apple's going to release some new MacBook Pros. There may be an update to the MacBook Air. The MacBook, uh, without any other name than just the MacBook yeah. uh, was updated in the spring. So it probably wouldn't get an update, but I would say if you're, if you're looking for, especially a laptop Mac uh, and maybe any Mac that you, if you can put off until the end of the month, there will probably be new laptops. And then your decision is going to probably be between a new MacBook pro. That's going to be a little bit heavier and more expensive, but have a lot of the latest and greatest uh, snazzy features in it. You've got the existing MacBook, which is beautiful and thin and light, but it's actually relatively slow. You're, you're trading the thinness and lightness for, for a slower processor. It doesn't have a fan in it. So it's got to run cooler and hopefully, Hopefully, the, the rumor has it maybe an updated uh, MacBook Air, which is sort of splits the difference. It's got a lot of the features of the MacBook, but it's not quite as light, but it's a little bit faster and it's a little bit cheaper. Um, but, I, you know, again, I, I say watch the skies and maybe wait toward the end of the month because everybody's hoping that, that Apple's product line is going to turn over on the Mac side uh, at, at hopefully an event later this month, but certainly whether they do it in an event or by press release, we're hoping to see new Macs before the uh, before Halloween, really. Yeah, I can wait on that, but I guess I'm looking for more of the speed, not the like great speed, but I don't want something slow or you know. Yeah. So the pro, the pro, the MacBook. I think the MacBook Pro is right up your alley, and you should wait for them to announce new models because the existing models have been out for a couple of years and they're kind of out okay, of date. Yeah. But uh, look soon, hopefully in the next two or three weeks. Well, you answered all my questions, so thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you for calling. Yeah, thanks so much, man. All right. uh, Let's uh, move on to Lori in Napa, just down the road from where we are. Hey, Lori, are you there? I'm here. So nice to hear from you. Thanks so much for calling. Are you there? Finally. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a little technical difficulties here. This is only the tech guy show. Welcome to live radio. Indeed, indeed. How can we help you? So I have I have two very, I mean, the same issues. One is about a video TV and one is about my iPad. Hey, what do you know? So, You've got the perfect duo here to help trend you. today. I know. I'm so excited. So anyway, um, I just moved here. And I bought the Vizio D series, which I know is a budget series, but it is far so good. I have uh-huh. to say, I liked my Samsung better. Uh, you know, I had to, I moved here 
from Maui. So I had to get rid of, I basically got rid of everything. Right. But anyway, this was a good prize. I bought it at Target, yada, yada. Sure. Um, what I've noticed is that when there is a white background behind something, mm-hmm. there seems to be a diagonal, some sort of diagonal, very, very subtle pattern going on in a little, it kind of messes with your eyes a little bit, you know, like the old CRTs used to do. Hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I monkey around a lot with all the settings and things uh-huh. like that. And, and one thing that I've noticed with, you know, all of these LED TVs is that um, from channel to channel, the picture can change. There doesn't ever seem to be a sweet spot, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's a problem with the broadcasters. I've noticed that, too. That yeah. There's a lot of variability between what one broadcaster will send and what another one will send. And very different picture, yeah. black level, everything is just all you know, very weird. Sometimes it's different, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid so. And there's nothing much any of us can do about it. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, this um, white, this this, this this white thing going, it's kind of it makes your eyeballs giggle a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of that. Actually, <laughs> this is the first time. Well, of course, <laughs> I guess. Of course, of course. I mean, I guess one thing that comes to mind is uh, you might want to make sure. I, I'm not familiar with the menu system in the uh, Vizio, but you might want to make sure that the that there's no overscanning going on. Uh, and that would be in the menu for aspect ratio. And you'd want to okay. make sure it's 16 by 9. And I think it's called Just Scan or or uh, I forget what it's called. I'll try and look that up. And, and here we're coming up towards a break. And, in fact, here it is. So uh, hang on a second. We'll get your Can second question. Okay. Yeah, hang on there. This is Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Chris Markworth coming up next. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, reminding you to preserve what's priceless with the Epson Fast Photo, the world's fastest photo scanner. Fast and easy, it scans up thousands of photos as fast as one second, one per second, at 300 dpi. Restore, save, organize, and share your collection. That's the Epson Fast Photo. And speaking of photos, we have on the line here our regular guest at this time, Chris Marquart. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I know you're here every week, <laughs> but I'm so glad to have you on with me this week um, because I've got a question for you that I've been wondering about uh, myself. I take a lot of photos, uh, as most of us do, and sometimes I want to display them on a – I mean, I always want to display them on the computer screen to edit them and whatever. But I never know if what I'm seeing on the screen is accurate to what I intended. Uh, I mean, you know, it might look 
kind of close, but I really don't know what what should I be thinking about, looking for, what kind of settings do I need to worry about if I really want what I see on the screen to accurately reflect what I took as a photo. Well, that's kind of that, that's a very common thing that you have something on your screen. We have, we have always have to uh, understand that a computer screen is it's an analog device. I mean, there's digital signals going into it, mm -hmm. but then there's an analog display, and and there are, there's a calibration process in the factory. They try to kind of set it to to a, a middle ground that works for everyone. But there's always slight differences. And now, what what you might you might get something on the screen that has a bit too much green or a bit too much red or a bit too much blue in it, mm -hmm. and um, Let's just imagine. Let's just imagine your your computer shows a bit too much green, and then uh, you edit a picture of a person and you adjust it so it looks right to you. But yeah. unbeknownst to you, the computer screen gives you too much green, so you end up putting more red into the picture to to to, to compensate kind of, for uh, compensate for that green. Yeah. So when when you give that picture to that person, they will look at it and they'll get a heart attack because their <laughs> face is all red all of a sudden. So that's that's kind of the problem, and and. Uh, it, Depends on the system that you're on, but there's a process that's called calibration mm -hmm. or well, I, I certainly profiling. Do. There, there are different terms for that. Yeah, I do that with TVs, of course, and, and yes. I, I think about this a lot in terms of what does the content creator intend. And with standard dynamic range HD content, it's well-defined, and I can calibrate a TV to that standard. Um, is there a similar standard for photography? Well, in general, there are a few things that, that I always uh, try to think about when I work on a new system, and that is... Um, the, the two major things are, are the colors right and the contrasts right. Um, if, the, if the display gives you too strong contrasts or too high con uh, to low contrasts, and that's what we what we usually um, uh, mean when we talk about a gamma setting for the screen, mm -hmm. that is kind of uh, that'll that'll be misleading. And in both situations, when you edit photos and when you view photos. So um, that's kind of true for both. The gamma setting needs to be right. And then there is, well, the color settings, obviously, as in too much green or too, too little blue. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to get your computer into that ballpark. I mean, there are very, very in involved ways that will, that will uh, use a lot of uh, hardware and stuff. But there are kind of simple ways to get you to the start. What, what's your suggestion? What's your lowest cost suggestion for a TV? It's probably a test chart of some sort. Yes, in terms of uh, users who want to get their TV close to the standard uh, that that professionals use to master their material, uh, I usually recommend a, a disc, a Blu-ray disc mm -hmm. like a Disney Wow, uh, which stands for World of Wonder. Uh, right. Or uh, Spears and Munsell has a disc uh, called HD Benchmark. Uh, Joe Kane uh, company, uh, Digital Video, uh, his company has a disc called Digital Video Essentials HD Basics. And in all of those cases, they have test patterns that let you set... Right. You know, the contrast and the brightness and the where, where the color is roughly. You can go in and, and individually tweak red, green, and blue if you have a meter and a more sophisticated software program. Right. But that costs more money. You know, and that's you, kind of the path that I would suggest for someone who wants to set up their computer monitor. Uh, you don't won't have to get a disk. There are websites that give you test charts that mm. you can pull up on your web browser. Mm -hmm. For example, photofriday.com is one. When you scroll all the way to the bottom there, there's a, there's a monitor uh, calibration link, and that gives you a chart that will show you uh, a brightness scale, and then uh, it'll give you some instructions on how to change the contrast on your monitor and the brightness to to kind of so that you see all the different squares on there. And that's a very a very good way to get you at least in the general direction if you're not sure. In the ballpark. Um, 
in the ballpark. The second way is there is free software. It's built into uh, every Windows system and every Mac system mm. that you can use to get some calibration going. Uh, on Windows 10, I've written it down here. I'm, I'm on a Mac here, but I've written it down here. On, in Settings, System, Display, Advanced Display Settings, there's a, a button called Color Calibration. Mm. And that's a wizard that will guide you through some visual calibration. So it'll show you some things and then tell you to adjust something on your computer screen until you see something specific. Um, in uh, On a Mac, you will find something called the Display Calibration Assistant under the System Preferences. And then in the Displays uh, section, there's a Calibrate button. And that will bring up uh, something similar. It's it's a, a screen that will have a little patterns and things on it, and then it asks you to change the brightness until you only see uh, a gray um, area instead of uh, some some pattern in there. Mm -hmm. So it will kind of guide you through a few things, and there's an expert setting where you can go e even deeper. And those are definitely a good way to go because they will get you very close to where you want to be. So and then... It's really a matter of, of calibration, like I talk about all the time with TV. It is the same thing, pretty much, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, of, of course, even the same manufacturers make these hardware calibration devices. X-Rite makes the Color Monkey. Yep. Uh, there's a Spider uh, yep. 5 Pro and, and Elite and uh, different ones. Mm -hmm. There's an i1 Display Pro also by X-Rite, and they range from anywhere between 150 and well, there, there's not no real no limit. upper I'd limit. Say, no. <laughs> I'd say $150 uh, up to $250 is is probably something that will get you pretty close. And those work very similar to the ones that you would, would use for the TV. You mm -hmm. plug them in, in the, on the computer, plug them into the USB port. You install some software, and then uh, you have this color color meter that you pretty much put on the screen. Yeah, and what, then, we, what we call a contact meter. Won't yes, work with exactly. a projector, but because it actually sits on the screen right. and so reads I'm, the. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure the hardware in these things is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So uh, you will get some test charts displayed. It will read them, and then it will, it will create uh, an ICC profile that is a piece of software that sits in between the, 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 the program that wants to display a picture and the screen, and it's kind of a translation table. So that profile will then contain the information such as this screen tends to display too much green. And so it has a correction value for the green in there. And whatever your computer wants to show on the screen will then be kind of corrected on the way. And, mm -hmm. and you will get an output that is much closer to where you want this to be. But one, one thing, with all that, and that's all fine and good. But one thing that I find even more important is that with, with TVs, you, you don't usually carry them around with you. But if you are on a laptop, if you edit your photos on a laptop, you're editing them on a moving target. Mm. What, I mean is, what I mean is you move that around and the surroundings of your monitor, the, yes. what's behind your monitor will change. And that is what influences your edits. If you, if you work in front of a white wall, you will have different results in your edits. If you take the same picture and, and edit that in front of a black wall, it will come out differently. Wow, wow. That's all super great advice. Thanks so much for talking with us about it. That's Chris Marquardt. Uh, you can get him at uh, discoverthetopfloor.com. This is Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Moving and grooving now. Hey, everybody. Scott Wilkinson here, the home theater geek and editor of avsforum.com, where you can find out all kinds of stuff 
about all things audio and video. I'm joined today by Jason Snell, uh, Apple expert and podcaster extraordinaire. Hello. And we're talking with Lori from Napa. We were talking about the Vizio TV. And um, Lori, you with us? Yes, I am. Excellent. Well, um, I looked up the, uh, you were asking about uh, this weird kind of diagonal line thing uh, on your Vizio D series. I assume you bought it like this year, so it's a 2016 probably. Yes, uh -huh, about a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I looked up and, and I said the only thing I could think of was that it might be in the um, what's called overscan. And some TVs, many TVs, most TVs, uh, will will take the picture and they'll expand it slightly beyond the edges of the screen. And the reason they do that is that if you don't, occasionally on some channels, and you noted that many channels, every channel looks different somehow, uh, you'll see what we call digital hash, which is little tiny, basically kind of a digital code flashing up and near the top at the top edge of the screen, like that. Oh, and that used to happen on my Samsung, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh -huh. if, if, if you do something called overscanning, uh, basically it takes the image and it makes it slightly bigger so that that kind of gets pushed off the edge of the screen. The problem with that is that it involves a, a process called scaling, and that can lead to other kinds of weird artifacts. And I'm, I haven't seen the one you're describing, but that's what comes to mind. And so I was trying to find out if there was a if there was an overscan control specifically in the Vizio D series, and I don't find one. What I find yeah. in the I, I found the screen aspect ratio. Uh, controls, which is normally where that thing would be found. And really all, all I can find is normal, panoramic, wide, and zoom. And you want normal. Yeah, okay, yeah. And there, there might be some overscanning in that, and I don't see any way to turn it off at this point. So um, uh -huh. that's the only thing I can well, think of. It's a small problem. It's typically on things I don't want to watch anyway. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I was just intrigued by it. And at one time when I was uh, monkeying around with the settings, uh, there was actually a more pattern going on back there, and I was able to to fix that, you know, to back back out of that, and um, you know, re redo the settings. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a small a small issue. My bigger problem is with my iPad. Well, and unfortunately, we have Jason Snell here to talk about it. And before you switch me over, I just have always wanted to say that aside from my grandchildren, you have the best laugh in the world. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear, hear you say that. <laughs> thank I, you for your help. Well, thank you. Jason, uh, well, yeah. first of all, give us, a, give us a hint about what your problem is with the iPad. Oh, yes. Okay, so I have an iPad 2. And um, when I – okay, so I have an iPad 2. I have an iPhone uh, 6S Plus, and I have a PC. So when I'm syncing these devices, I do it two ways. I do it over Wi-Fi, and periodically I'll plug them into the computer and back them up that way just to make sure. Well, what's happening is that um, when I plug my iPad into my computer, the only choices I'm given are, one, to set it up as a new iPad, or two, to restore it from this backup, which was in January. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. So it's, it's really, really, I have no idea. It just uh, started doing that. Well, yeah, it sounds like your your yeah your like your your PC looks at that iPad and thinks that it it doesn't know what it is and mm -hmm. it can't identify it. Um, so, are you using the latest version of iTunes on the PC and are you using the latest version of iTunes on the iPad too? Yes. 
or uh, latest version of the iOS on the iPad too. I guess I'm saying. Well, yeah, and see, with uh, you can't on the since it's just a two, um, I couldn't use iOS ten. Right, you were you're but stuck on nine. It started happening before ten even came out. This started happening when I still had nine point whatever it is, uh, you know, right now. So and then iTunes on the iPad just uh, up it automatically updates right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you have to you have to agree, but it, it should it should do it automatically. So, wow, this is so this is a tough one um, because what what's really happening is your um, your PC thinks when you attach it that it's uh, it's corrupted in some way or it's not recognized it and it thinks that you're you're either setting it up as a brand new iPad or um, or restoring. So it, if it offers to set it up with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a new iPad. You might be okay to to let it try that because it may be if it's not restoring from a backup when you're trying to set it up as a new iPad uh, I think it doesn't do anything to your iPad it just uh, pulls the data off of the iPad uh, and syncs it but I know that's scary because what if you lose your data and you haven't backed it up yeah it would be nice if it didn't do anything to my iPad do you do an iCloud backup (laughs) well I do I have iCloud backup turned on and I tried turning it off. You know, I've tried a lot of different troubleshooting things. Um, but uh, I noticed that when I go in and I say, you know, try to uh, choose sync now, it's grayed out. Uh, so what, how about for the iCloud? So that may be related to your problem if you're trying to do a Wi-Fi sync and it's failing. Um, but you yeah, should and definitely... I turn that off and yeah. I plug it back in. It still won't do it. I think yeah, so. I, I think your first first step is if you can do an iCloud backup, do that because then you will have a backup of your iPad regardless. And that's you know you go to settings, yeah. tap on iCloud, and then make sure iCloud backup is turned on and 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 see what the last backup was and and tap backup now and see if you can get it to backup because then you're going to be safe either way. And then I would say you might want to attach to your PC and say set it up as a new iPad and see what happens because you know you've got a backup on iCloud if you really need to to bail out. Uh, but it may just move you through that process and lead you out the other side and you may be okay. Um, the other thing you could try is uh, is to try a few different resets where you go to the general um, submenu in the settings app and you could do things. You don't want to do erase all content because that will wipe your iPad, but you could do reset all settings. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. it, that will kind of wipe out your uh, some of your preferences and things, and you're going to have to put your passwords back in. It doesn't erase all your content, though, and it may clear out some weird setting that is making the PC feel like it doesn't know what it's seeing when it's attached. So these are like all things you can try. I, I can't say for certain that any one of them will work, but um, I'd say number one is make sure you're doing an iCloud backup because that way at least you could restore for backup if something really goes wrong. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Okay, I'll try that. And I, I don't understand, as in terms of the iCloud backup, I noticed that when I go to, you know, iCloud.com, um, all of my contacts aren't in there. And when I put a contact into my phone or, like, all the, all the contacts in my phone are not on my iPad. And I don't understand why. Shouldn't they all be 
synced up? They should, and Scott is smiling right now because he has this exact same problem was, and was telling, about it during, telling me about it during the break. I would say one thing oh. to do is in settings, go, to, go under contacts in the settings app and see mm-hmm. what settings are syncing because um, I've actually found, first off, that, that my settings uh, sync more reliably using cloud services and not iTunes. Um, but under contacts, you can see what accounts you're syncing your contacts with. And so are you syncing them using iCloud? Are you syncing them using uh, – you can sync them using uh, Google too – um, see what's going on there and potentially even add in an account uh, and make sure that, that it's syncing that way. Uh, because I've seen that happen before. And I, unfortunately, contact syncing is, is not as reliable on iOS as it should be. But there are, there are yeah, I'd say if one path doesn't work for you, try a different path and maybe that one will work. That's what I end up doing is moving from sort of plan A to plan B until I get what I want. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, I was, I'm having the same problem. It just works, right? Yeah, it just works. You know, yeah. what, what could go wrong um, with huge amounts of data and clouds and computers? And yeah, that's probably fine. And then the iCloud on my computer, it just has a handful of contacts. It doesn't have anywhere near the number of contacts I have on my phone. And everything is set up to, you know, iCloud backup. Yeah, so the iCloud backup is is a backup of your total system. So check to see about iCloud syncing. Check on your phone and check on your iPad and make sure that they're syncing to the same account in the cloud and see if that solves the problem. That's going to be my, mm. my guess. And that's separate from the iCloud backup. Lori, thank you so much oh, for the call. Okay, thank you. All right. This is Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. More of your questions coming up. Number three. Hey, everybody. It's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek and editor of ABSforum.com, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy, who I think is coming to the end of his vacation, shedding a tear, I'm sure, by about now. He'll be back next week to answer all of your geeky tech questions. But for now, you have me talking about home theater, audio, video, all that great stuff. And Jason Snell is here. Woohoo! I'll answer all your Apple questions under the cerulean blue skies at Dodgers Stadium. <laughs> Try a Dodger dog from Farmer John. <laughs> it's a very bad Vin Scully, but uh, just a shout out. One of, I believe, the stations that we have on this network is KFI, which was the voice of the Dodgers for many years with Vin Scully, and it's his last day on today the air. Today is his last day on the air, and he's doing it from San Francisco. From San Francisco. He's just down the road. Just down the road. And so, I, you know, I read something. We love you, Vinny. We do. We do. I remember going to the Dodgers. Dodger game. Uh, I grew up in L.A. and I we, I went to the Dodger games with my grandfather uh, when I was a kid. And you know everyone was listening to the transistor radios. We were talking about this off the air. You could hear Vin Scully throughout the the stadium because of everybody listening on their transistor radios. Uh, but what an institution! What a great guy! Yeah. I mean, wow. So, and it's not just. I mean, you could you could argue. Well, yeah, he he worked this job for a long time. He was the Brooklyn Dodgers announcer when he started. Right? Yeah, it's that like long. in the nineteen fifty. I yeah. think it was. And and the fact that he uh it's not just his longevity because he's the best at it that's the amazing thing is it's the guy who's the best at it and has done it essentially the longest mm-hmm. and that you know how fortunate are all of us that we got to, to listen to him tell those stories and he did it all by himself too which i'll tell you it's been great being here with you to share the load today for three hours yeah. as we've been doing but uh no one Vinny, was there to share his load Vinny just does a whole baseball game by himself it's amazing yeah it's amazing really amazing 
Um, the other thing I want to uh, say to everybody uh, is that tonight is the beginning of the Jewish High Holidays, Rosh Hashanah. And so I just want to give a shout out to everybody for a happy new year. And um, as they say in Yiddish, good yontif, good yor. Uh, I'll be blowing the shofar uh, starting uh, tonight <laughs> and uh, throughout the next 10 days of awe, which is what it's often called. Uh, or it, when my wife and I moved into our current house right around this time of year, it was the 10 days of oy. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, we're here to talk to you and to answer your questions about home theater, audio, video, TVs, speakers, Blu-ray, uh, all that kind of stuff, as well as uh, iPhones, any- iPads, Macs, That's you right. name iCloud frustrations, whatever. <laughs> and we've had a few of those today. It's shocking, yes. <laughs> it just works. Uh, yes. But uh, for the moment, let's go to uh, James in Redlands, uh, who I believe is in the chat room as uh, Keith 43 Hey, James. Hey, man. How you doing? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing uh, pretty good. It's uh, a little bit different listening to you for, you know, a couple of hours rather than a 15-minute segment. But my, my little segment nice usually, but uh, certainly happy to be here. No, it's nice to hear you guys. You guys are doing a, a great job. Thank you. Thanks. So, I'm hoping my first question is pretty basic. Now, I used to work in an electronics store back in 2010, and I picked up a 47-inch LCD HD TV. I still have it. Mm-hmm. Back then, they used to push Samsung. It's good to go, right? So now I'm thinking, is it better to keep what I have now, considering there's the ultra-high dynamic, dynamic range TVs out there, or it, here's, here's my main thing. My daughter likes to use Xbox. I know there's a new Xbox coming out, or that's already out. Already out, yeah. It, yeah, is, it, is there really going to be that big of a difference for her and me just using the Xbox with, you know, Blu-ray and all that? Should I upgrade? You know, well, I'll probably increase the screen size. But Yeah, yeah. You know, for a, I mean, a living room, not a very... It's a decent size, you know, living room. Mm-hmm. Is it worth upgrading? Well, I would say not unless you upgrade both of them. Uh, oh. You know, because the current TV is undoubtedly 1080p or maybe even less, but let's assume that it's 1080p. I believe it's uh, 1080p and uh, 120 hertz. 120 hertz. Okay, so that's a fairly nice TV for its day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but but there's no reason to upgrade to the Xbox One S. Uh, because A, it doesn't, I believe, I'm not a gamer, but I'm going to have to, as I recall, it does not do native 4K games. It upscales uh, games to 4K. From what I know, um, the output of it, even through an HDMI cable, which I could be wrong, is only 720. Well, that I don't know. I'd have to look, I'll look into that. But it also, the new one can also play Ultra HD Blu-ray discs, which are true 4K. I did not know that. Yes. And uh, I just did that over at Leo's a few days ago. And so it can do that. It'll play native 4K. It'll output high dynamic range. And um, it will not output Atmos bit streams, I believe. Uh, As I recall, that is one of its limitations and one reason why I don't recommend it if what you're mostly going to do is watch 
uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray discs because a lot well, of those do have Atmos on them. Of course, then you need an Atmos sound system, and that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, um, but we, me and my daughter, well, we've she watches YouTube and other people make you know games of playing Xbox together and blah sure. blah. So I was looking into investing in something called a capture card, which will take the output from the Xbox, which is still displayed on the TV. And you can use that for, you know, uploading and sharing and so other people can watch you play. Hmm. So, you know, um, the, the capture card and saving that data, I believe, is a different thing. But just my concern was at this time with the TV, you know, it's getting close to maybe seven years old. Is it worth really upgrading? So. Is it, is the TV work is the TV working well still? Has it got any problems? Yeah, it seems to be working pretty well, and I have a a basic sound bar, which because the the speakers on that TV is they're they're not the best. <laughs> no, as I recall, the Samsung it's a Samsung, right? No, no, the TV's an LG. An LG, okay. In either case, the the speakers on virtually any TV are yeah, crap. but they're in the rack. It's I know. Like, Samsung did the same thing. Why would you put the, t- the speakers pointing backwards? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they wanted a thin TV, and they if you put the speakers in the front, then it adds to the bezel around the screen, and they wanted that to be as small as possible. Yeah. So, so you know. Bar, a basic one, and it, it, it helps out much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say there's no need to upgrade at this point. There's certainly no need to upgrade to the Xbox One S if you're going to keep that TV. If when you when, at some point you know you're going to upgrade that TV and it'll probably be 4K, uh, maybe even HDR. And in the, at that point, then I would say yeah, it might be time to upgrade to the Xbox One S. Okay, awesome. Uh, so, I do have another question, but I okay. I feel like it could be way off on a different tangent because it involves your uh, co-host you have there right now or your Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> well, I have an Android phone. My fiance has an iPhone. And with an iPhone, you can FaceTime. I was wondering if there's anything besides Skype that is similar to that. I'm, I don't want to throw oh, yeah. off track, but that's... Oh, no, that's... I've got a... Th- that's a great setup for an easy answer, which is Google really? is has just released Duo, which Duo. is like FaceTime, and they are. I haven't checked this, but I believe the intent is that it's it's out on App Store and on the Android Play Store, so that you can talk to your uh, fiance in something that's very much like FaceTime, uh, except that it runs on both Android and iOS. So you should look for Duo in uh, the play store and judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And in the App Store. Oh, awesome. From Google. How about that? Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> unfortunately, we, we, unfortunately, we're running out of time here. Thanks so much for calling. I really appreciate it. It's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back after this.
Oh, yeah. Love that saxophone sound. Hey, everybody. It's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek and editor of AVSforum.com. I'm here with Jason Snell, and we're talking about uh, home theater and Apple products and even uh, cross-pollination between Apple and Android, huh? Yeah, that was, uh, that was a great, uh, great question. And, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we had an answer ready that Google has thought of his marriage to be and is providing <laughs> Duo for a, them to use. A, a mixed marriage there. Yep, indeed. <laughs> well, let's go uh, right away to uh, another call. We got Glenn from Louisiana. Glenn, are you with us? Yes. Hello, Scott. Hello, Jason. Hey, hey. welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to get through. Um, the question that I have for you, Scott, is uh, um, when you, um, in, in a DVD uh, disc, um, the video uh, that is encoded in it, uh, how many lines, uh, horizontal or vertical, uh, of resolution are are they really there? Are you talking about a, an actual DVD as opposed to a Blu-ray? I suppose it's a Blu-ray, yes. Yeah, okay. DVD is what's called standard definition. And so what that means is 480 lines top to bottom and 720 lines right to left. Okay, so it's 720 by 480. Is, 720 by 480 in a 16 yep. by 9 uh, aspect. Well, yes. And and when you mention that, I'm just going to quickly try and see here uh, if 720 by 480 is in fact 16 by 9. I don't think it is, but uh, then there then there'll be a letterbox. You know, they'll they'll use some of those lines in ju- uh, the top and bottom of the image to be just black. And uh, some some of the DVDs are anamorphic, right? Where they they, they fill they fill the picture and they set a flag that says stretch this right on playback exactly. But it's still not any more information. It's just not. It's using the information that would otherwise be the black bars right to give you a little bit more. It's a little bit more, but you have to have a display then that can handle that. Usually, that's for projectors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's an aspect ratio of one point five, um, and uh, usually four by three is one point three three. Movies are one point eight five or two point three five. So yeah, you either need to have it encoded. Uh, the disc will either be encoded anamorphically, or they'll just waste some of that information uh, as top and bottom black bars, which are called letterbox bars. Um, on a Blu-ray, you have. Um, 1920 pixels left to right and 10,080 pixels top to bottom. So that's 1,080. 1,080. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Yes, 1,080. So that's 1920 by 1080, sometimes called 1080p. Uh, DVDs are sometimes called 480p. Uh, that P stands for progressive, uh, which means that all the lines are sent at the same time. There's also interlaced, but we don't really talk about – well, we do talk about that in broadcast. Anyway, you got a lot more pixels on a Blu-ray than you do on a DVD. Right. So, uh, in, in, uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the DVDs that are being produced now haven't offered any more resolution than when they came out in, uh, in the 90s. Nope, none whatsoever. That that was a format that got baked into the cake, and it's the same now as it was then. Mm-hmm. So the reason I, I was uh, wondering this, uh, um, I like watching a lot of documentaries on PBS. Mm-hmm. And uh, more often than not, I see that uh, uh, they're um, offered on DVD and not on Blu-ray. Mm. And so, um, you know, um, 
the equipment that you have, uh, whether it's the player or the, the TVs, have been able to upscale that and you're able Correct. to see it um, yep. on a high-definition TV. But now when you buy a TV now, most likely you're going to get a 4K uh, TV, which is um, yep. 3840 by 2160. Precisely. Yep, so, exactly um, right. If you're, if you're starting from a DVD um, source, um, basically, you're going to be ending going through a double upscaling there? No, it's only going to be a single upscale, but it's going to be a lot of upscaling. But a lot of upscaling. <laughs> it, and, and uh, you know, we were talking about upscaling uh, earlier, and somebody in the chat room mentioned something about, yeah, just imagine upscaling uh, VHS tape to 4K. And VHS tape had only, I don't know, 240 lines of resolution or something really, really low. And so you upscale that. The more upscaling you do, the more problems can crop up and the more you can see any limitations in the original signal. So upscaling a Blu-ray to 4K is going to be better than upscaling VHS tape. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it's still going to be an awful lot of upscaling. And uh, on the other hand, you know, the studios put out what they put out. And PBS, if all they have is DVD and that's what you want to watch, you might consider looking for that um, that documentary uh, online, you know, a streaming system, maybe from PBS even. They might offer a stream that might be in high definition. I, I don't know. But that might be an alternative to look at. Where they will offer the entire uh, resolution as they broadcast it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. They might not have taken the time or the money to make a make Blu-ray discs because that costs some money. You know, any physical medium media are is expensive. So, you know, they might have said, "Well, we don't want to take un uh, incur the cost of making a Blu-ray disc and making you know thousands of copies or whatever." Uh, instead, we'll just make it available streaming, and we'll we'll do the DVD for those who want a, an actual disc. So that's a, a possibility. So uh, would we see the same result going from uh, a Blu-ray to um, a UHD uh, Blu-ray uh, on a on a 4K TV? Would we see the same um, uh, result uh, that it it is going from a DVD to HD? No. Well, in a sense, yes. I mean. A Blu-ray will get upscaled to uh, 2160p on a 4K TV, but it doesn't have to go as far. So it's the result is not going to be as bad. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it has less distance to go, so it, it doesn't have to work as hard, shall we say. I understand. Uh, uh, and um, is there um, a, a place that you can go, like, uh, where they would have a library of... Um you know what is offered on um, on UHD Blu-ray. What what is uh, what content is available on UHD Blu-ray? Sure, there. I mean, Blu-ray.com uh, has maintains a list of Blu-rays and now Ultra HD Blu-rays. Uh, so that's that's the place I would start. Uh, JJ four eight eight four in the chat room is uh, talking about uh, maybe going to uh, PBS.org/video. And you might be able to see uh, what they have available there in terms of discs and maybe even streaming. I, I haven't been there myself. Let's uh, we can go there real quick and check it out. Um, but there's a ton of uh, of material there. I'm, I, it, that takes me to my to the local station here in the Bay Area. Um, but I would check that out as well and see if some of what you want to watch is available as streaming in high def, which might be only available in standard def on a 
on uh, disc. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I've been waiting. I've been waiting uh, some of those titles, you know, hopefully that they will be converted to Blu-ray. Uh, cost money. 4K, and so I, was, I was thinking, well, um, are they just going to jump over to 4K or? They might. They might. Thanks so much for the call. It's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Back after this. I know what you're talking about. It's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy, with Jason Snell. We've been having fun today, haven't we? Yeah, this has been good. Really good fun, stuff. yeah. Um, and you know what? I want to make sure everybody re- remembers that uh, those of us who take photos, and everybody I know does, if you want to preserve what's priceless, you want the Epson Fast Photo, world's fastest photo scanner. It's fast and easy. Scan thousands of photos as fast as one second, one per second, at 300 DPI. I mean, that seems kind of ridiculous to me, but there it is. One per second at 300 DPI. Restore, save, organize, and share your collection. Man, what will Epson not think of next? Pretty amazing. Really amazing. Um, You know what? We're going to start right back into the phone calls here. I say Louie from Orange County is next. Louie, are you with us? Yes, Scott. How you doing? Good. How about yourself? Good, good. Uh, you helped me greatly yesterday with that antenna, with the FM antenna. Oh, good. Um, after that call, I thought I heard you talking about a higher quality CD, and I believe you called it FM CD. No, it was called SA CD. Yeah, it stands for. Yeah, it stands for Super Audio CD, and it was meant to be the successor of the CD. Uh, but then a little thing called online music distribution came along and pretty much killed it <laughs> uh, before it even got started. Then there was also a format war between SACD and DVD, DVD audio. audio. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And format wars, man, they will kill things quicker than you know what. Um, but uh, SACD is still around. DVD audio kind of isn't. It kind of went away. But SACD is still around. You can still buy some. Um, and they do offer greater audio specs than cd does they'll go higher in frequency they'll go greater in dynamic range how Um, do they compare to well currently some of these groups are putting out their music on blu-ray yes how do they compare to blu-ray well (laughs) they use a different technology which is very interesting uh blu-ray you can get something called blu-ray audio which is takes most of the space on a blu-ray and stores audio on it you can store a lot of audio on a blu-ray which is uh 25 or 50 gigabytes um, and they use a, a an encoding, an audio encoding process called PCM, which stands for Pulse Code Modulation. Uh, whereas SACD uses a different type of audio encoding called DSD, Direct Stream Digital. Now, PCM is, is we kind of understand what it is. It, that's what CD uses. It's just that SACD, uh, rather uh, Blu-ray uh, audio, uses greater specs. So each sample of the digital audio on a CD is 16 bits long. On a Blu-ray audio can be 24 bits long. The sampling rate of CD audio is 44.1 thousand times a second. Uh, and on a Blu-ray it, audio, it's typic, can be typically 96 kilohertz or 96,000 times per second. So that gives you a greater frequency range and a greater dynamic range um, on the Blu-ray. Uh, on an SACD, they use DSD, which is a one-bit system. Each sample is only one bit, but they do it 
2.8 million times a second. Uh, and they claim that that gives you a, a higher fidelity, which is a little misleading because it, what they do actually is that they kind of push the noise into the ultrasonic range that is over 20,000 hertz, which is the, the, as high as humans can hear. Most of us can't even hear that high. I know I can't. You probably can't. Uh, none of it, no, nobody but babies really can hear that high. Um, still in all, those of us who, are, who care about audio quality, you know, we want maybe to have frequencies above there because maybe they can be perceived in some other way than directly by hearing. This is a very big topic of debate. But D DSD tends to push the noise into that just above 20 kilohertz uh, frequency range. And so you don't really get, I don't think you get much of an advantage. Uh, there are plenty of people who will disagree with me vehemently. And uh, I know I'll probably get uh, excoriated in the chat room for it, but uh, that is my opinion on the subject. Well, the bottom line is the best I've ever heard in my life was the old analogs in the 60s and 70s. Mm, you mean like vinyl? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of people these days who say we need to go back to vinyl. That's the best possible quality. You know, and interestingly, vinyl has the potential these i'm talking about lps now right black vinyl right. lps but analog don't, don't and it's analog it's analog yes and and there is the potential to get up to 30 40 50 000 hertz uh of frequency uh, response now you don't have as much dynamic range i forget what vinyl is but it's typically in the i think it's probably in the 60 70 decibel range for dynamic range cds are 90 uh and blu-ray audio is 100 and something 144, I think, ultimately. Th there you get into a, the problem of, well, what's your listening environment? If you're listening in the car, you've got all kinds of noise. You've got a very high noise floor, so that dynamic range do doesn't matter. You can't hear it. Um, but uh, anyway, that's that vinyl it has its in adherence, no question about it. And analog has its adherence. People say it just sounds better, warmer, richer. Uh, you know, they have all kinds of names to describe why it's better. And you may be among them and more power to you. But I will tell you this, to get a good turntable ain't cheap. No, that I know. I had one. <laughs> And I sold it in a, in a garage sale mm. before I realized what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you, you know, go. The, the new albums they're pressing now are all digital, digitally mastered. Yes. They're not the that, same as the That's different. That's it? true. And even if they record to an analog tape, which is becoming very rare, uh, they'll have to pass it through digital processing. It's, and then it's not the same punch. It, yeah, well, and there are people who are trying to work on, you know, how can we add the analog character back into a digitally recorded uh, sound? And some of them uh, pass the microphone through a tube-based preamp, for example, to give it a tube-warm sound, that kind of thing. Right, right, right I understand that. Because, I mean, I go back to the, the Macintosh tubes in the 60s. Yeah, sure. There was something different about them. There was no, there's no doubt about it. Yep. Crucial Wax in the chat room is saying, vinyl is less accurate than CDs on every measure. Just because it's analog doesn't mean it's accurate. And that's true. We were talking yesterday about tubes versus solid state. And uh, solid state is more accurate. But tubes have a warm sound that people like. It's an emotional response. And so that's why we still have tube equipment. Yes. The last question I would have for you is I have um, 1990s, Adcom high-end amplifiers and preamps. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a hundred hours on their brand new. Oh wow! Um, what uh, would, would it be sensible to purchase uh, the Andrew jo Jones uh, the Ellip products that he's making? Oh sure, absolutely. What models would you suggest for that kind of power? 
Well, what kind of how much power are we talking about? I can't even remember, but it's extremely high. I think the models I have are one under the highest they made that those years. Mm. I'm going to guess somewhere what they call the hundred. Maybe 250 watts per channel. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you'd have any trouble at all. Andrew Jones now works for a company called Elac. E L A C. Elac. Elac. E L A P. C. As in Charlie. E L A C. E L A C. And uh, the speakers that he makes for them are phenomenal for the money. They're not very expensive. They uh, are, but they're super great. And uh, there's a whole thing I could get into about uh, amplifier power and speakers. And you can drive speakers with more amplifier power than they say they need, because generally speaking, you're not using all the amplifier power that is available from that amp. So I'd say you'd have no trouble at all. Uh, thanks so much for the call. It's Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy, back for our last segment after this. Can you believe it? It's our last segment of the day. It's flown by. Those times. Remember back when our caller uh, thing didn't work? That was like, so long ago. <laughs> that now. was like ancient history. <laughs> I know. Now, now we're uh, we're all rolling. We're and totally we're rolling. Thanks so time. much to the uh, to the premier radio guys for coming to our rescue. And saved here. our bacon. Saved our bacon mm-hmm. big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, just to remind you, I'm Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek and uh, editor of avsforum.com, which I do want to give a little plug to. avsforum.com is the world's largest online community of AV enthusiasts, over a million members, uh, free to join, and you can ask questions there and get a plethora of opinions. Uh, you know, two two audio files, three opinions is generally how it goes. Yeah, that's the math. Uh-huh. And I'm Jason Snell. I write about Apple and other technology stuff at sixcolors.com, and you can listen to my podcasts about technology and space and other things at relay.fm and my pop culture podcast at theincomparable.com. Wow, that's so cool. You've got a wide variety of stuff you cover. I'm doing a lot of stuff now. Now that I'm uh, now that I'm working for myself, I got a lot of projects <laughs> going on. Lots of lots of things in the, in the hopper. Yeah, well, that's the the blessing and the curse of creative yeah. people, isn't it's it? It's good to work out of my garage, but uh-huh. I'm a very busy person mm-hmm, exactly well thank you so much for being <laughs> it's here great, great being here all three hours with me um and we've got another call let's see if we can get uh, one or two more in i believe it is well now i can't find it exactly but he had a question about saxophone mics who am i talking to here hello yes oh yes howdy this is jimmy uh, jimmy jimmy of course hey jimmy how you doing man uh well I'm, I'm, my, my jaw is wired shut so i'm talking like a ventriloquist oh no well, listen, uh, I, I'm going to make this short uh, as, pos- as possible. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make my voice and my harmonica sound exactly exactly like, let's say, a Hammond D3 organ or a saxophone or, or something like that. And I, I tried a Roland, uh, I think it's called a 1010, uh, uh, a G1010 or something, uh, that was made in the 90s. And I plugged that into a box that had a bank of sounds that was made specifically for keyboards. And uh, it, 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 it actually worked, but um, <clears throat> there was a huge latency problem. Yeah. Are you talking about the, are you talking about the Roland G10? G10, yeah, Roland G10. That's, that was it, yeah. Uh, okay, that's a, that is a, uh, basically, uh, I believe it's a, a guitar to MIDI interface, or, or possibly, probably a pitch to MIDI interface. Right, pitch to MIDI, and, but it had, if I remember right, it had a... Um, a plug there for uh, um, you know a vocal mic. Um, right, right. It, it might have just been a quarter inch. I don't remember. 
Yeah. But uh, at any rate, uh, it did work. I took it to uh, Guitar Center, and I, ha- I hooked it up to one of their boxes. Both of these things were made in the 90s, I believe. Mm-hmm. So there was a huge latency problem. Yeah. So is there anything I can use on stage that can get the same effect? And, sadly, and sadly not. Not that I know of. I'm going to ask the chat room if they might know of something. But I, in my previous life, I actually was in this industry. I worked for Roland for a while. And uh, I was at Electronic Musician for 10 years. I was the technical editor. And pitch to MIDI conversion is basically you take a microphone, you sing into it or play into it. It goes into a box like this. It gets yeah. converted into MIDI data, which right, is a right. – and then sent off to a synthesizer. And you can you can make the synthesizer sound like anything you want. Right. But there is a latency issue, and I have never heard of any device that overcomes that latency issue because it takes a certain amount of processing for a, a computer, which is essentially what this is, right. to identify what pitch you're you're putting into it. And it makes it even harder if it's a complex waveform. It's easier with, say, a flute or something. You can probably pick up what, pit, what pitch it is quicker, what frequency it is, than you can with uh, something complicated like a harmonica or a voice. Take some time to say for the computer to say, oh, that's a middle C. And then I'm going to th- throw out a middle C in, in MIDI towards the towards the uh, synthesizer. Well, well my, my thought was that uh, because the, the Roland G10, uh, you know, is from the 90s, maybe they make something now where the GPU in it is uh, is uh, a lot faster. They uh, might. They and, might. And let me let me see if I can find something. Uh, pitch to MIDI converter. And, and if there's not, is there a place I can get a, a device custom made? Huh. Well, uh, you could potentially get something custom made, but you're running up against the laws of physics. Um, yeah. You cannot change the laws of physics, as Scotty would say. Um, and and it takes a certain amount of time to detect what pitch is being played into that microphone and convert that into a MIDI message. Right. So well, I, know, I know that uh, I think it's uh, Roland also makes the uh, guitar synthesizer. They do. And the uh, latency has gotten almost it's almost non-existent now. Well, then there might be a way to modify the the um, the guitar synthesizer, the, the pitch to MIDI, guitar to MIDI converter uh, well, to well, accept a microphone that, input. Yeah, but the problem with that is that that works on on the vibration of the strings. Correct. Where I have metal reeds. Right. Exactly. Exactly, um, and, and and I do know this. I know accordions. Uh, they all they they do make MIDI accordions. They do, make, and and yes, and they can sound exactly like an organ or a saxophone if they want to. Mm-hmm. I'm looking up. I'm looking online here for pitch to MIDI, and uh, there's one uh, website called <laughs> Gear Sluts G E A R S L U T Z dot com. And uh, somebody asked about pitch to MIDI devices, and uh, the company that has been coming up here a little bit is Sonus S O N U U S, and S O double N or W double W, not W, but double. So it's S S O N U U S. Music music products in the UK, and it looks like they have a what's a MIDI guitar converter i'm not sure i can see a a voice to midi converter or just simple pitch to midi general pitch to midi converter but that's what you want right Uh, exactly you know i i honestly don't know what what the state of the art is there i mean it's not a very big market so i can't imagine companies spending a lot of time and money on developing it uh the best one that ever was was called the fairlight voice tracker and if you could find one of those 
I mean, they don't they don't make them anymore. They have them for a long time, but maybe you can find one on eBay or something. And uh, that was the best one I've ever I ever tried. And was it, there a huge latency problem? Uh, not as much, not as much. But it was expensive. It was like thousands of dollars when it came, when it was out. You, you know, I came across one of these on eBay, and I think they wanted like uh, three hundred bucks for it. Oh well, it might be worth a try then, and if it works. I didn't have the money for it at that time. I yeah, know, but. Uh, you know, yeah, if I can find another one like that, maybe I, that's what I should get. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, beautiful. All right, well, um, thank you for answering my question. I sure, my pleasure. Good luck. Okay, you guys have a sunny day. Hey, thanks, you too. All right, uh, we got time for another question. Who have we got? Um, Is this Ray? Ray. Hey, Ray. Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, and Jason Snell, the uh, Apple geek. How you doing? Can, can you hear me okay? Yeah, sure. you sound great. Awesome, awesome. Okay. So let me get real quick. I have a like 65 inch smart TV, 5.1 surround sound. I got sound bar. I stream a lot. Um, I have um, you know all the different you know cock cable, all that. So I got like, three or four different controllers. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that. Nothing ever seems <laughs> like it interfaces all the time. Oh, you're not alone, man. Um, so I'm basically, you know, about a month from now, when all the TV prices drop like crazy, I'm going to buy another TV, mm-hmm. like a 4K. Yep. And I'm really interested, and I started with I bought the Echo, but if it works, it sounds like it's going to hopefully, at least you read that, and I want your opinion of being able to control the sound of the TV off of voice and all that, and or is that the way? I hate all these controllers. I want to try to get down to, um, you know, the Echo maybe doing all the sound. Well, I don't know. I don't know much about that. Now, the Echo actually has uh, sort of limited controls right now, uh, and and you need another. You basically need another device to bridge it. Uh, like Logitech makes. Uh, uh, I love the Logitech Harmony remotes. There's a you can get one Logitech Harmony remote and it can control all your stuff very easily. Uh, I, that's the one I absolutely recommend. And they now make one that has its own IR emitter that's separate from the controller, so you basically have an RF. Uh, thing so you don't need to point it anywhere, right? And it talks to the 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 the, the RF and uh, yeah, and you can program that with an Amazon Echo. Hey, thanks so much for the call, Jason Snell. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure, Scott. Thanks, it's you. Scott Wilkinson, the home theater geek, filling in for Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Tune in next week for Bye, Leo comes back. Bye, geek out. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.